Hi, this is Rohan Dharmakumar from First Principles, your fortnightly leadership podcast from the Ken. I'm a huge fan of the rule of threes, so I have three things to tell you today. One, I'm incredibly excited to introduce you to Daybreak, a brand new podcast from the Ken. What is it? Allow me to quote my talented colleague Snigda Sharma, who hosts the show. Quote. Business news is complex and overwhelming. It doesn't have to be. Thrice a week, Daybreak tells one business story that's significant, simple, and powerful, all in 15 minutes or less. Episodes drop on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. End quote. I've left a link to Daybreak in the show notes for you. On to point number two. This week, you'll be listening to my conversation with Amit Agarwal, the co-founder and CEO of No Broker, an eight-year-old Bangalore headquarters real estate rental platform last valued at over a billion dollars. There are very few organizations I've come across whose entire identity and business model are defined by someone or something they want to disrupt. No Broker, as you can guess from its name, is that. The company is defined by its opposition to brokerage, something that we take for granted in real estate transactions. It goes out of its way to keep brokers off its platform. Using techniques, Amit refused to divulge even when I asked him. That's also the reason why no broker's office locations are secret. I kid you not. Keep listening for a conversation filled with multiple contrarian insights on business models, entrepreneurship, customer behavior, and survival. This brings me to point number three. If you like us, please rate us. If you like us, please also subscribe to us so new episodes will find you instead of you having to find them. Let's get on with the interview, shall we? At the end of the day, all a broker does is introduce people. You want to pay him one month's rent for an introduction? Really? Amit, that was you talking to one of us from the Ken for a story that we'd done on No Broker back in 2017. Do you still believe in that sentence? Do you really want to pay a broker really? It's amazing that you remember that sentence and I think nothing has changed from that day uh, to today. We still strongly uh, believe, uh, in fact, I just before coming here, I received an email from a customer who is in now Nagpur and uh, the mail heading was a little dramatic saying that I cried a lot. <laughs> and the the mail was about as to how she was in Bombay and how no broker helped us helped her avoid a broker and say brokerage and how in Nagpur couple of brokers are basically <laughs> troubling her in terms of either economically or raising the price of the flat. I think that's make that makes the day. So unicorn etc is one thing but a customer without wanting anything in return saying that they benefited from no broker basically makes your day. You also call yourself the world's largest no brokerage property site. So, I've 
come across many businesses which are defined by this is the market that we're targeting this is the product that we offer it's very interesting that no brokers entire ethos seems to be in opposition to the concept of brokerage where did that come from so i think it came from our own personal experience so i was uh, into management consulting and i shifted into many cities and i would like to give two quick examples one was that i was living in bangalore many many years back and i entered a broker's shop we just told him that we are looking for this property and within 10 seconds he called an owner and pretended as if he knew us for years saying hey there's a very great party very good couple and uh, you should basically they are they want to see your house i'll bring them over and somehow he promised them or told them that we are vegetarians which we are not <laughs> and somehow the deal basically got closed and we ended up living in that house and every time that owner will come my wife will think about how to hide the eggs or <laughs> the ah so this is the reason why on your website under the section about owners it says that sometimes you'll waste a lot of time because you'll see potential tenants who may not conform to the rules of the society so it's actually coming from your own personal experience when you're on the other side as a tenant yes yes of course and second was that when in other city i searched for a flat and we finalized it and i gave some money to the broker for getting us furniture on rental and he just vanished with that money and i realized that if somebody doesn't want to return your money what can you really do you can only call him <laughs> and what can you do that's true so and the similar experience was of my co-founders who despite living in the same building couldn't figure out whether another house is vacant in the same building or not imagine the frustration that with the building that you live in you can't figure out the phone number of the owner that is what you refer to as information asymmetry and holding of information which is once again i'm reading from your own website by the way i did a little bit of research uh, before this brokers hold information and create information asymmetry they would ideally want that not so good houses should go first as the good houses would anyway have lots of takers they would always show you bad houses first only when you reject them all would they start showing you better houses they decide who should not see your house because there is another landlord who may give them little extra brokerage it's i must say i mean your continued focus you launched many years ago i mean 2014 to now the singular opposition to the concept of brokers and brokerage is interesting i i'll, I'll continue because this is really fascinating you keep talking on your site about the amount of brokerage that you save 130 crores of brokerage saved monthly since inception you've helped customers save over 7000 crore that's i'm guessing about 900 million dollars in brokerage fees and next year or this year you're targeting to save 3000 crores in brokerage fees and there's a number that says indians typically pay brokerage fees worth 140000 crores a year yeah. so would i be correct if in 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 saying that you're essentially defining your market as brokerage and therefore your opposition so in in one way when you say indians pay 1000 140000 crores which is uh around 19 billion dollars 19 billion dollars so would i be fair in saying that your total addressable market 
is 19 billion dollars is that how you see it uh yes and no so i will cover the first portion first so one is to basically say brokerage that we are against brokerage or we are want to disrupt brokerage and second is the example that we have cited about brokers they are generally true but it is not to say that every broker is like this so so let's also be very fair to the brokers we have met many brokers who are extremely good uh, i remember meeting a south bombay brokers and i think that south bombay brokers are the perhaps the best brokers in the country because they deal with the most sophisticated clients and they themselves might have worked in some mnc before so they are educated they are not there for short term they really want the clients benefit so they will never do things like stealing away the money or giving wrong information to the owner and that is a market that we can never take away but that's fine just yeah. because the total addressable market exists doesn't mean any company will ever be able to capture sure. 100% of sure. it right so one way to look at it is of course that this is our total addressable market which is the brokerage which you want to disrupt uh and the question is can we take basically one fifth of this one fourth of this and second is that we basically then later figured out that you can increase your time much much more because in the same real estate journey there are many more things which a customer wants uh, so then we realized that why should we do only matchmaking who will do the mandap who will do the catering <laughs> so can't we basically do that if the customer becomes happy and if we can deliver that at good quality good price Uh, so then we basically ventured into them also the other thing that you've done like as if creating a business which is an which is in opposition to something that already exists was not enough what you're also trying to do or like you know have done to a large extent is traditionally the concept of brokerage is you paid post facto after a deal is done and you pay like a decent amount of money i mean anywhere from 2% to 4% 5% etc you're trying to invert both of those you're saying you will pay us before your rental or property transaction and you will pay us a much smaller amount yeah so in fact coming back to the statement that you made which we write that we are the world's largest non brokerage company so what happened is that when we were raising funds we used to say that we want to disrupt the brokerage market and we want to make a c2c platform and the question which was most asked by to us by the investors was that where is this where is the us equivalent of this or where is the china equivalent of this and our answer was we don't know there is no there is no other equivalent of us anywhere else in the world and their question was if there is no uber no amazon equivalent of this uh, uh, this anywhere in the world then how can this be a great idea somebody somewhere must have figured out that you can disrupt brokerage and how is it so that you think you can and everybody else has missed and our response was that perhaps in other countries law and order and rules are stricter you need to give exam to become a real estate broker you need to have a certification here a grocery shop guy also can become a broker part time and uh, uh, and also that in terms of paying income tax and being regulatory bound by what you promise those things are different in us so our journey basically started by questioning and as your show basically says first principle so i think we started with a very very first principle that why should why can't people talk to each other directly and the response of vcs were that yes they can but if they could why hasn't this been done anywhere before and second objection was what you basically just said that 
since a broker is physically present, they can take the money post the deal is done. What we said is we are not a broker, so we are going to charge a very small amount, one fourth of this, and it's going to be flat fees. So we don't care how expensive the house is, we are going to charge a flat fees. So their question was, this sounds fine, but why will a customer pay in advance when the deal is not done? Because it is not, this is not how real estate happens anywhere in the world. You go to any country, customer never pays in advance for real estate deals. And that also without a promise. Did it make you folks, the, the three of you co-founders, question yourself? Because sometimes when you're asked this question too many times, you start as an entrepreneur and a founder wondering yourself that maybe they're right. There's a reason why it doesn't exist. Maybe we're wrong. <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, uh, when people keep on asking you, the question which was, I would say, uh, was more relevant and more solid, which we felt was, which was why will customer pay you in advance? And hence, when we started, we we experimented it with very fast. Because at this, when we started, I was mid-30s and I was in no mood to start a company, a company which becomes very large by raising funds and then monetization is no, nowhere to be seen, which happened in real estate with many of the companies. So our question was to basically start it fast and basically check it quicker. Uh, but apart from that, I would say that as an entrepreneur, every entrepreneur, including you, whatever we are doing, we are doing something which has never been done in the in that specific way in the world ever before. Either we are doing it for a special geography or even if we are doing the same business, we are doing it with a twist, the way in which Ken works, with a twist, uh, giving more relevant content uh, to, the, uh, to the audience. Uh, so, I believe that all of us have this optimism to the extent which can be called as an irrational sense of optimism. You believe from some first principle that this will work and then you just put a blinkers on and you keep on pushing for it until you are proven wrong in your own eyes. And another word, way to look at it is that you believe that till I discover it myself that this can't work, I'm not just going to assume that it can't work. Perhaps people haven't tried it long enough. No, exactly. I fully agree with you. So, we... Because I remember we met in... February 2017, the Ken was just a year old. You were about three years old. And we were roughly comparing subscriptions <laughs> because you were doing subscriptions <laughs> in the space of real estate. And we were starting with subscriptions in the space of business journalism, yeah. both of which were fairly foolish ideas. <laughs> yeah. So no one had done anything similar to Ken as far as I can remember ever. Uh, so I, So you are right. So I think the same approach we took that unless... We are proven wrong in our own eyes and we figure it out from ourselves that yes, customers don't want this. And no matter how much value you add, they are not going to pay you in advance. And this is foolhardy. Then we are going to get closed down and we will accept that the insight was wrong. But then at, but at that point of time as a customer, it was very perplexing that even when such uh, glamorous looking, slick, tech-focused sites have come up. On the other side of that property, still that same broker, whom I always wanted to avoid. So it was very perplexing that, hey, why can't I just do everything else and accept that broker, why can't an owner be sitting there? Uh, so it was something which was a big itch and we couldn't solve it until we tried it. 
a while ago you said the second part of the question was what really worried you and you the as founders you focused on which was really why would a customer pay you up front before renting a place or buying a place going back to 2015 2014 when you started what was that and because you also said that you wanted to be lean and experiment fast to arrive at an answer what was your mvp the the minimum viable product what was your simplest explanation for why would a customer pay you money up front uh, so there were two three two were one was that we basically intuitively felt that if you give value to the customer he would always compare it with the money that he is going to pay to a broker and what will go in his mind he would think that hey my friends have used it they are saying this is good and if i give a broker i will give him 25000 rupees these guys are taking zero, zero rupees or they are asking me some 2 3000 rupees so we felt that economically it will be a screaming clear decision in our favor the only thing that we need to do is make enough closures to convince customer that there is no hidden fees we are not trying to basically pull a fast on them and genuinely we want to connect so that was a initial hypothesis we went and we asked strangers in a mall saying that hey uh, if such a service was there would you use it would you pay for it define such a service as you explained it back then like imagine yeah i was in a mall and you came up to me what would might you have told me in 2014 in so, 2014 we we told these mall customers that if there was a website in which you could contact owners directly without any broker in between and if there was no broke no physical person to show you the houses would you uh buy that service at 2000 rupees or 1000 rupees or 3000 rupees uh and same same question that if he was owner would you like to post a property and meet directly with the tenant and would you be okay getting his phone calls directly so in both of those cases 90% plus customers said yes but there was one thing which we discovered which we never thought before we went to ask them their second question was who will do the rental agreement and we're like hey rental agreement that everybody goes to google takes a print out of a format and you sign it because so less people go to the government office anyway to do it we thought this is a no brainer why are people worried about it but they were right in their mind this was some work which was in their mind half technical and a broker used to arrange it for them so they were like hey this piece will be missing and uh, so then our first reaction was okay when we start no broker we need to build a rental agreement team which will help you do the rental agreement and you set at home you do it digitally we'll send you the courier you sign it and in case you want to do it yourself then we will give you the uh, the proforma and you can do it yourself you've come a long way since then we'll get into that and we've already dived a lot into no broker so i'm going to pull back and ask you can you describe what no broker is in a line or two so no broker is a is a website which connects property owners and property tenants and buyers directly with each other without any middleman how do you make money so we have multiple ways to make money when we started for the first few years our objective was to have a freemium which is still is is to have a freemium model for real estate which basically means as a owner tenant buyer seller the default option is free you mean the you have subscription plans and the default subscription plan is a free is plan is a free plan and if you want 
value added services for example as a tenant you want some filters uh, premium filters then we charge you 1000 rupees 2000 rupees for that if you are a owner and you don't what might these filters be like for example those filters might be that which floor uh, property you want to look at ah uh. now if you don't want to pay for that filter you can actually go to the property and see the floor anyway but if you want some some convenience then we say okay can you pay us 1000 rupees for that small convenience uh as a owner we say that you want to put poster property do it for free get free contacts no problem but in case you are busy for example right now we are talking so we will not be able to pick up a phone call of a tenant or a buyer so in that case your we will have a relationship manager phone relationship manager who will pick your phone calls his phone number will be made public not yours so your phone number will be will be private and secondly your property will come among the top slots because it's a paid property and which means you will get more tenant and more uh, buyer contacts so the chances of it getting rented out or sold out is faster so you can take it so both both of them are basically optional based on freemium and as years passed by more and more customers opted for it and the platform kept on becoming bigger but as you were asking about the mvp so are so two things in terms of mall in terms of asking our friends was was pre the moment we had our first office just few months later we quickly launched the paid plan not to make money but to see that our customers going to pay for it what are going to be their the reaction moment of truth yes and somehow we felt that india is a large country if you have funds perhaps you can always do some marketing and get customers on platform right but the moment customer pays a single rupee the entire tone changes <laughs> and we this was a big discovery for us we thought that the decision is to not pay 25000 rupees and pay 1000 rupees or 2000 rupees but no the decision is to pay zero and then to pay 1 rupee that's a huge jump of trust why should i take my wallet and give you 1 rupee but the moment you pay 1 rupee then it's very easy comparatively to ask him for 500 rupees or 1000 rupees then the customer doesn't mind but i'm very happy that our team basically made that jump and we went through that process and then we had to build many things to make those customers happy because over years we discovered like everybody else that indian customers for service business are extremely demanding and every year they become more and more demanding i mean why do you say service business wouldn't you say that you are in some senses a product but yeah you are you're providing yeah. a service right um but, but but i'll go back because i think we were in the middle of that um question about how do you make money correct so a significant chunk of your revenue is there comes, an approach yes. comes from subscription so, fees yes so majority of our revenue comes from the subscription fees that owners tenants buyers and sellers pay us could i ask you to give me a sense of roughly what percentage of your subscribers in overall registered with you are on premium plans so approximately 5 to 10 percentage are on the paid plans. when you started when you launched the first subscription paid plan maybe 2015 16 what was your assumption what would be the upgrade rate our assumption was and is that one day it will become 20 percentage mm. but it's a network effect business so for example today also in a city like bangalore where we are our density is high the percentage is higher in a newer city like delhi where we are newer 
the density is lesser, the percentage is lower. So here the network effect is really crazy. Uh, Help me understand that why is there a network effect in paying a real estate platform a subscription fee to rent an apartment or buy an apartment? I mean, there is. Yeah. I'm not doing this with friends. I'm not sharing it on social networks. Where is the network effect coming from? So here the network effect is that uh, when there are, if suppose we are sitting in HSR layout and if there are five properties on HSR layout, your tendency to pay is lower because you have only five choices. The moment you see 25 properties, you have many, many more options. The density is higher. The probability that you will like one of those houses is very high. It goes up exponentially large and hence basically your chances to payment is higher. The same philosophy works from an owner's point of view. When we first started, a owner would get one phone call say in one week. But now, especially after this COVID period was over in the past six months, it was a very regular feature in metro cities like Bangalore and, um, and Bombay, Pune for a property to get rented out in four hours. Property comes, within four hours it's gone. Even no broker employees couldn't get the property for their living unless if they waited for the weekend to come. And to give you a, a, some broad numbers, when we started, we I think we used to get new 1,000, 2,000 new customers uh, per month. Uh, by customer, I mean registrations, free paid yeah. both. Uh, today, our cumulative customer base across eight years is 2 crore which is a decently large number. But the interesting thing is that every year now, we are adding 0.75 crore new customers. So we, whatever we did in eight years, one third of that is now happening every year. Not because we are, we are doing something great, but because it takes time, it takes years for a platform to become stronger and for customers to trust it. We have realized that owners don't post property just because they have seen a very good TV ad. Posting a property is something which is much more personal to them and they do it only when other people say it has worked for them. Alright. I'm sorry I interrupted you twice when you were explaining how you make money. Biggest chunk of revenue comes from subscription fees. Where else do you make money from? Sure. Sorry, I basically over uh, explained. Uh, so the biggest chunk comes from uh, real estate. Second biggest is basically packers and movers and home services. So it is mainly packers and movers. Then it is some bit of painting, some bit of cleaning. And uh, the third, the last one is basically financial services, which has home loan, which has insurance, which has rent payment. So these three basically constitute our revenue pool. So as I see it, you've essentially, you, you look at, um, someone who rents as the way people would typically look at someone's had a baby so now you know what their you know what products they will consume they'll buy diapers they'll buy baby food they'll need clothes and they'll grow up so you're looking at it not just as a rental or like a property transaction but as like there are people living and they'll need things and they'll need loans and that's how you're spreading out yeah, so this is a very, very good <laughs> analogy. And uh, so the way in which we look at it is across the lifespan of a consumer, he's going to do multiple things the way in which you mentioned. People typically, once they pass out of college, they live with their friends for a couple of years. Then they move into an independent house as a tenant or a flat. 
and then over next few years they would rent homes four or five times and now because uh, taking home loan is so easy and disposable incomes are increasing then they will buy a home of their own and after few years they will buy a second home and then they will rent it out in this entire process they are going to paint their houses uh, multiple times either as a tenant or as a owner every time they move they are going to use packers and movers that is not something you can skip uh sometimes they will need furniture rental they may also go for packer mover insurance or home insurance when they buy a home so in this entire journey as basically time folds if you have given them a good service they will keep on coming back to you because for these infrequent services you don't want to rattle your brain for a new company again again so it's if i trust you for x it's like you said earlier if i've paid you 1 rupee it's i don't have to convince myself that hard to pay you another 10 rupees similarly if i trust you for renting an apartment i don't mind trusting you for painting the apartment as well yeah so one is this that because a trust is there because they have had a good experience it has a business has in effect become a conduit between me and my customer and in this conduit i can basically pass more services which the customer needs in his natural real estate journey and second is that see what's a typically a good definition of a prospectively great platform business or marketplace business the definition is that the tam should be large uh the service providers should be fragmented and the customer npa should be poor which is how you will define a packer and mover business barely two or three brands and that you can count if i ask you which are the best packer mover packer mover brands first thing will come to me agarwal packer <laughs> yeah. and movers so you will basically say two or maximum three leo and there i said two <laughs> and you will discover that out of these many are intercity focused not intracity focused and these also basically are many of them are only premium which 90% of the people can't afford so large market fragmented supply poor customer nps so we discovered that not only there is a trust that they have with no broker but it also matches with the problem that they are facing so had it been a vertical in which people are very happy with the current output they would say okay i trust no broker but why should i change my current provider in all of these we discovered that both you, are true to use an example because we've seen this and the reason this is very fascinating is because we've seen lots of startups always see the world like this that i will establish a relationship with my target audience in this manner and once i do it's then i'll be able to sell them all these various things to to your example you're saying tomorrow if you said we will provide ro drinking water that will be harder because there is already a eureka forbes there are all these other kent etc which are already doing a fairly good job and therefore it's in this case you're saying with packers and moves and other spaces it's it's an opportunity on one side and it's a problem on the other side exactly so i'm saying trust is a minimum criteria to get into that business but that alone doesn't suffice unless the problem is large and you are ready to shift from your current provider all right i was going to ask you how old is your company but you're 2014 born so you're 8 years old how many employees do you have we have now around 3500 employees what's your revenue uh we will be closing fi 23 at 100 million dollars how many customers do you have 
सो वी एड अराउंड सिक्स टू सेवन लैख न्यू कस्टमर्स पर मंथ विच वर्कस आउट टू अराउंड पॉइंट सेवन फाइव करोड़ न्यू कस्टमर पर ईयर क्यूमलेटिवली इन एट ईयर्स वी एडिड टू करोड़ कस्टमर हाउ फास्ट आर यू ग्रोइंग वी एवरी ईयर वी मल्टीप्लाई आर रेवेन्यू टू एक्स टू थ्री एक्स आदर इट इज बेसिकली टू एक्स और थ्री एक्स ऑन बिटवीन हाउ मच वेंचर कैपिटल है थ्री फिफ्टी मिलियन डॉलर्स एंड वॉट वो यू लास्ट वैल्यूड एट वन बिलियन डॉलर How old are you? I am forty-five. Are you married? Yes. Do you have kids? Yes. Uh, I have two kids. One is both of them are boys. One is fifteen-year-old. Another is eight-year-old. Right. What are their names? Arav and Anne. You have co-founders. I don't yes. know how many co-founders do you have. So we are three co-founders. Akhil and Saurabh are my co-founders. Saurabh is my batchmate and my dorm mate from I am Ahmedabad. so we used to live on the same uh, hostel floor uh, and akhil is basically junior from iit let's switch to a bit of personal questions tell us about your family history uh so my uh, my father uh, was a civil servant uh, my mother is a homemaker so we keep we kept on shifting cities every 2 years and some people become introvert because of this i became an extrovert <laughs> because of this and uh, uh, as i said that uh, and my wife is my batchmate from iit kanpur so we are friends first and then we became <laughs> spouse later uh, and two kids what you you passed you did your engineering from iit and then you went to imm the what did you work in the middle yeah so i worked with the cts cognizant technology for two years ah all right interesting and then you graduated from imm the what and Yeah. What do you do? So after I'm in the bad, like like it typically happens that uh, whichever thing is paying most, that becomes the favorite <laughs> profession for most of the MBA grads. So management consulting was considered to be the hot industry and something which is challenging. So I took to management consulting just because of that, not because I knew anything about it. Once I entered management consulting, I realized it's extremely challenging. and the typically people leave in 2 to 3 years because you need to fly monday morning and the flight for the flight you need to get up at 3:30 <laughs> because you want to reach at the office by 9 in the client location and when you are coming back it is always the last flight which always gets delayed last flight of the night always gets delayed and then you reach very very you need early morning of saturday uh for some, somehow for me uh i loved the challenge which comes at the client side because typically what the client would say is that you are going to see my watch and tell me my time tell me the time right that typically is what people think about management consulting so i love that challenge of basically people doubting whether you are with good intention and then slowly you working hard really adding value and then those same people start trusting you and when you leave then they are good friends and then you remain in touch with them so i loved management consulting i loved the challenge of it the thrill of it the difficulty of it and the intellectual challenge of it and also because i also did lot of implementation projects not just giving gyan giving project but also implementing them on ground uh, that i think uh, taught me a lot and it benefited me a lot when i did my own uh, startup because you are not just giving gyan you know ki light chali jati hai then if the light is not electricity is not there in a small branch bank branch in a city then how will you scan something 
सो दैट नेवर कम्स टू योर माइंड वेन यू गिव अ मैनेजमेंट प्रेजेंटेशन सो आई लव मैनेजमेंट कंसल्टिंग एंड देन आफ्टर टेन टेन ईयर्स देन आई मूव टू इंडस्ट्री विच वॉज ऑस्ट्रेलियन न्यूजीलैंड बैंक सो एन जेड बैंक फॉर्न बैंक इन बॉम्बे वेरी कंफर्टेबल टेन ईयर्स आफ्टर टेन ईयर्स एंड देन नो ब्रोकर something that you said is very interesting and it's it's not directly relevant to you know no broker or a conversation but it's about campus placements how on one hand the entire system is geared around opt for the job that pays the most and then there is also this pressure on there is this artificial scarcity mentality which is created these are the day zero companies these are the day one companies and once you get your job you know you got to opt out oops or you get maybe one option so there is this it's almost like you're teaching students about thinking long term building businesses and then at the moment when they should be making their best choices you're creating this system that forces them to make suboptimal choices based on incomplete information etc how would you like you know if you could go back perhaps would you do anything differently would you change the system at all even today so i'll just give you one additional point of data which will help us together decide the additional point of data is that in these mba colleges you look at what happens after one year more than 50% of people Attrition. change jobs that's right so at and these same companies who are acting so pricey to take only three people from that campus they are going to hire people of much less caliber in hordes outside campus because that's what the need is in on that day in that campus their hr told okay three people so they came up with that artificial less quota but they are large companies and or they are growing companies so if i can go back and if i can go to every campus and tell the kid who is basically worrying about the day zero and slogging in the night and is feeling very nervous and is wearing tie for the first time in those two years i'll tell him don't worry this is not the end of life at that point of time it seems like the end of life if you don't get into day zero you are gone and there is this peer pressure and there is this also sort of shame that you did not get into That's the right. good like one if you haven't gotten placed on day zero and yeah. day one and then every additional day just adds to the pressure correct but uh, the data doesn't agree with it the data says that the same companies hire hire you much more easily later after you have one or two years experience outside the campus data says that anyway you are going to change the job so if i could go back i will say that focus more practically i am saying focus more on making friendships because these same guys your friends are going to use give your resume as a referral that is much more better roi on your time than worrying about that particular day job that's as fascinating even in the media the conversation is always focused around who offered what salary and if you could essentially say that these are the companies and these this is their one year retention of these companies are really great at not just attracting talent but retaining it you know then as a student you could decide these look like great companies because they've managed to retain most and exactly that would be amazing data to support it <laughs> what's something that you're proud of that happened this week or last uh i'm very proud of the customer visit that i am doing a uh, physical customer visit reason is that in the earlier years the physical customer visit got shifted to the phone conversation with customers and i have realized in the past few weeks that there is no substitute of meeting a customer face to face how do you do this 
So what we do is that now what we have mandated is that all the business leaders, the top 30 business leaders, every week they need to go and meet one customer. So it might be a customer who is an owner who posted his property for free, a customer who took your paid plan, a customer who denied taking your paid plan, a customer who is undergoing a packer mover movement right now, or one who is completed it just now. So you call him, you say that I am this and this, I want to come and meet you. And if he allows, you just go to his home and you see where the action is happening or you basically ask him for his feedback. And he has no <laughs> no reason to be nice with you, right? So he will say what he feels like. And the insights that you get are mind-boggling and which cannot you cannot get them on phone. Can you give a couple of examples? So for example, <clears throat> uh, I remember how customer basically changes their their demands and their expectations. For example, I remember four or five years back when an owner used to post a property on a platform, he would say, we would ask him for the location and he would say, Ki Hanuman Mandir ke hai. right? And we will basically place that cursor somewhere there. Now when I met a customer recently, he complained that no, in many of the properties, the location is not right. He said, no, it is right. He said, no, I want it like Uber right. I get out of Uber and I get to that property. So, we're, I realized that, hey, we need to ask more questions from the owner to get it 100 meter right. As precision. Of, hmm. Precision has to be exactly like Uber because now people have that expectation, which they did not have five years back, but now they have. What motivates or drives you? There are two things which basically, which motivates me. One is the thrill of seeing numbers grow. As we were discussing that when the numbers grow, then as an entrepreneur, you feel more charge. It's a feedback loop for you. So seeing no broker grow uh, has been, kicks, kicks me daily. Second is working with top class people whom I have discovered and I must admit are much more passionate than me. So it's a delight to basically see, come every day to office and see people who are more intelligent than you who are more driven about that specific problem, debating with them, they are giving you respect, which you know that I don't deserve, <laughs> except the fact that I am the entrepreneur. Uh, and listening to them is amazing fun. There are times where you stop and you just like, you know, roll your eyes and say, is this all like, you know, happening? Is this all real? <laughs> yeah. So as an entrepreneur to another, I'm sure you <laughs> understand. I was going to ask you, are you a goals or journey motivated person? It looks like, would I be correct in assuming you're a goals motivated person? Uh, goals are super important because we talk about numbers when we talk about where we have reached. But in our case, journey is more important. The reason being that we have, uh, if you see our, see our past eight years, we have seeded many things and for many things, we have waited very, very patiently and we have experimented a lot to reach to that goal. And the goal keeps on changing. So unless you basically enjoy the small thrills, which comes, so perhaps the I am a mixture, which puts small mini goals in that journey to make that journey very, very interesting. One question that I ask most guests is that, there is a saying that you're the average of the five people that you spend the most amount of time with. Who are these five people for you? Uh, my wife, 
माई टू को फाउंडर्स माई बैडमिंटन कोच एंड माई टू टीम मेट्स हु रिपोर्ट टू मी वाओ योर बैडमिंटन कोच फीचर देर इट्स लार्जर दैन द नंबर इज लार्जर दैन फाइव बट आई एम लाइक हाउ ऑफन डू यू प्ले बैडमिंटन सो आई प्ले आई ट्राई टू प्ले एवरी डे बट एट लीस्ट थ्री टाइम्स टू फोर टाइम्स अ वीक श्योरली इज हैविंग फ्रेंड्स एट वर्क इम्पॉर्टेंट फॉर यू सुपर इम्पॉर्टेंट सो आई वुड से ओवर टाइम इन माई सोशल सर्कल ऑल्सो ऑफिस पीपल हैव बिकम फ्रेंड्स एंड एंड वी 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 गो टू ईच अदर किड्स बर्थडे पार्टीज एंड सोशल फंक्शंस बिकॉज दैट इज वेयर यू स्पेंड मोस्ट ऑफ योर टाइम एंड 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 ओवर ईयर्स समाओ आई ऑल्सो फील दैट इन द कंपनी यू यू स्टार्ट रिटेनिंग दोज पीपल मोर एंड वैल्यूइंग दोज पीपल मोर विद हुम यू गो वेल इट्स रियली डिफिकल्ट टू वर्क विद अ पर्सन यू डोंट लाइक फॉर एट ईयर्स आई थिंक दैट ऑल्सो ऑटोमेटिक द थिंग हैपन्स what is it that you feel you add most value to no broker as its ceo i think the team is extremely good they are very very driven the only thing which i basically which i think i challenge them is make it larger why can't we make it larger so i think sometimes uh, because of the experience that they have had in past they must have worked in some other company where the mistakes must have been punished so many a times i feel that despite all good intentions they don't take a large bet and i think that's the one thing which i basically encourage them and coax them to take a larger bet even if something goes wrong we'll figure it out for example make your tam the 19 billion dollars which is the brokerage market yes if we were to dissect no broker's success as a company on the basis of either the philosophies or principles that it stands for what might those be i think there are two three principles two principles perhaps one is that we have we have always assumed that if we could make the cl- slate clean how would we start for example there was no concept of a phone relationship manager ever in real estate industry we said hey let's assume that there is no bro- there is not a single broker who can take you and put you on the back of his scoot- scooter and show you houses we are starting afresh now how would you connect to people uh and what information that person would need for example our tenant i'm digressing a little bit for example a tenant is often deluded into believing that this property is very hot when it is not right so the broker once he guesses that you are interested in this property often says hey the token is going to you have to give the token by tonight otherwise there are five more people who are going it's to sir it's an online hack as well you go to many of the sites and you see selling out fast like you go to booking.com it will show you 17 people have looked at this property so it just preys upon our correct psychology to essentially say it's hot so yeah. therefore i need it even correct. if i may not need it so that's a trick which brokers use often so what we did with the help of technology is we said okay this information is required it is not that this information is a waste this information is required provided it's true provided it's true so can we do it and the answer is yes because we can do it extremely easily you just tell so we have displayed it now on the site as to how many people have viewed this property and how many people have taken contacts so far first principle which has helped us immensely is to always think from ground up assuming nobody has done this before so how will you do it there is some phrase for that i i'm not exactly getting is it zero truth 
you know starting from zero truth starting by making no assumptions and there are no truths and then you is this something that you do often at uh, no broker yeah often because the way in which the things that we have done beat packers and movers no one in the country has ever aggregated packers and movers before the way in which we have done at this scale that we have done which requires completely fresh thinking what is that if i may ask you why do you say the way we have done what is it that you have done which is different so what people basically have done is saying that either typically what happened is that people have said that i will have my own trucks and i will do it or the second way that people have done is they have said that hey i have got the customer i am going to pass the lead to them and then they will convert what we are doing is a third way we are saying that we will not have trucks but we will bear the entire responsibility of our brand we will take the payment from the customer so the customer can catch our caller if anything goes wrong and this despite us not being on the ground doing the physical movement he can call us anytime because we are his face and he can ask hey where is my truck where has it gone so when you are doing something which has never been done before it has to be done the way in which you said uh, is basically think everything fresh so that is one core principle that we have uh, used and second principle is basically look at the inputs first and output later so instead of asking the sales team as to how how much sales has happened look at the inputs more saying that are the owners increased have the owners increased have the interactions increased are you basically seeing any dip in any core input metric so then the discussion becomes less about hey you have not done a good job to what has not helped you do a good job interesting uh you spoke multiple times about the fact that you are surrounded by a lot of smart colleagues uh that's what energizes you so i'm also assuming that you're also spending a decent amount of time hiring talented people spotting talented people interviewing it's one of the things that founders are always doing how do you let's say you know you meet i'm assuming dozens perhaps hundreds of people in a month <coughs> some of them are professionals how do you spot someone who you're having a conversation with and say this person is not come to me for a job but i would like to have a conversation with this person for a job do you have any like do you do that often so i will tell you that in terms of culture we are a tad different say from other startups and every startup reflects the approach of the founder and all the approaches are good for example many founders love micromanaging and when i meet them they tell me that we love micromanaging because that's how it should be or that's how we like and they are great founders and they have made great companies so that approach also works uh, my approach is to basically delegate fully and trust fully and create more entrepreneurs in in no broker because after a year of starting in no broker i realized earlier i used to think that i am very smart i am from iit i am from iim and this business is basically 2 plus 2 is equal to 4 so i i can figure it out but i think after one year i realized that if you have people who are smarter than you and who are driven and who have been given full accountability then they just become 10 more co-founders and that has been the amazing discovery so i don't think that before i became entrepreneur i ever imagined it so now coming to your question now when i meet people i am trying to so we have a saying always be a owner never a tenant basically means always have an ownership mentality so what i have realized is that people 
who people either have that mentality or not and people who have that mentality has a future in which they try to pursue something in their life without any specific great advantage i will just explain you so what we have discovered is people who like sports have played sports a lot not that because they will become they'll come to indian cricket team but they just love pursuing it people who have pursued music a lot so it's uh, excellence for excellence sake yes exactly so people who just or if you ask them about their past project they will just go on and on and you have to stop them and change the question because they just love that project so much they want They're to talk passionate about it they are passionate about it and if you give them a problem they just can't help chewing it chewing it till they solve it because that's how they are made it's a uh, great set of answers do you have any questions open ended questions that you ask people that helps kind of reveal let's say there are 10 people in front of you all equally smart what kind of open ended questions do you ask to get them to reveal some of these things because you know it's not always that you may not ask like if you ask do you play sports do you have any project you'll get very canned responses sometimes you need to ask open ended questions what like do you have any favorites so my favorites are that if you join no broker what are the top things which might happen 3 months from today 1 year from today which will make you love coming to office so on a monday morning if you are brushing your teeth thinking that you have to go to the office what things you will love must be happening in no broker which will make you love to office and similarly tell me few things which will hate make you hate coming to no broker office and has ever this happened in your previous companies and give me those examples you've raised what about 350 million dollars yeah. or i'm assuming the number of conversations you've had which did not materialize in funding was significantly larger what are your biggest learnings from your unsuccessful attempts at fundraising uh so we we were n- never a investor darling <laughs> for the at least for the first 5 years so if you would remember one reason was because none of the investors could spot something similar that they could say you are x of y correct second was that a large that a real estate and the real estate firm got funded by a large hedge fund and 90 million 100 million dollars which basically made every other investor worried that how can no broker survive in it perhaps rightly so and then the same firm imploded because of some other reasons despite being a great founder and then everybody who invested there just got their hands burned and they said indian investors basically said i am we are not going to touch real estate there is some problem in real estate and we were like hey our customers are growing we are making revenue they like we don't care we don't if we go to our investment committee ic meeting they are not going to hear anything about real estate so in the initial 5 years apart from saf which is now known as elevation no indian investors investor funded us if you look at our cap table there's no indian investor in the first 5 years we went to some a little sad right because if indian investors will not i mean and then i get that this is born out i'm i'm not saying uh, this is on you but we've seen this many times that even though venture capitalists are supposed to be the ones with the risk appetite they're always looking for in some ways to kind of reduce that risk by saying if it's worked somewhere else then we'll try it in india and if it's not even though india is such a large market i mean yeah so do you think it's changing now no i don't think it is changing i think even today if you many a times if you have to raise fund 
if you can somehow infuse FOMO, then it works better. Fear of missing out. Yeah, then basically better than what your numbers are. Even today, but it's I, just a mirror image of the other problem. FOMO. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, it's a kind of herd mentality. Correct. Whether it's everybody is investing in this sector, so I will, or no one's investing in this sector, so I will not too. You you tell me about now. You know that all the funds are flush with cash because they have gotten commitment That's last right, year. That's right, dry powder. Last year, everybody was investing everywhere. The number of deals were sky high. Where are those good companies? <laughs> This year, there are even better companies who are surviving in the environment, but nobody wants to touch because others are not touching. So it is a hard mentality. And we went to South Korea, some unknown investor, some single guy in Japan, HNI. So for the first five years, we just survived. And then, when of course the network effect starts hitting, then General Atlantic and Tire Global came. So my learning from this is that hey, you can't fight it. You just need to survive. So we think that we are like a cockroach company. We for the we just want to survive. And our while we had 18 crore when we raised. Uh, whenever uh, me, Akhil and Sora, whenever we used to travel overseas, we will always stay in one room. Ex with extra bed in which Akhil had to <laughs> sleep, and we in our HSR office which we took even in that one or two month of summer which is there we never took AC while we had money because we were so much paranoid that nobody is funding us so what will happen to us and I think that frugal mentality still continues so any problem and the frugal mentality quickly kicks in because yeah. So this is very interesting because it's almost like a dichotomy, right? If you've come up with the cockroach mentality, as you say, which is survival, in some senses, it's about do not bet the house, do not take risks that can bring down the house. But at the same time, you also do say, and you've launched many products where, and you're saying that you tell your employees take bigger risks, take bigger risks. How does this square inside the organization? This thing of No need for an AC. Share a room. We may never get any money. We got to survive, right? And think big. It doesn't matter whether we fail. Just like aim for the stars. How do you square this within the company? No, so this is amazing question. And the way in which we deal with this pure maths. So what we basically say is, we are seeding these new businesses. You are doing packers and movers. You are doing furniture rental. Now we said each of you are an entrepreneur. We are giving you some seed funding. So we are giving you some resources. You can hire some people, and then we you are we are giving you access to our no broker customers platform one page, and then you are on your own. You figure it out, and once you start giving some traction, once you start converting some traction, traction, then we give you Series A funding. So then the tech technology team will come. They will say, okay, I am going to make a page for you. So I'm the going to corporate is like the internal VC, and new initiatives are like startups. Exactly. Are there startups that you have refused to fund at some point internally, saying no. that look, your numbers are not great. We'll think about it maybe later. The way in which we have done is that yes, we have said that okay, we will not fund you, but always it has happened is that because when we started that startup. We knew that the pain point is there. It belongs to one of those marketplaces where the customer NPS is wrong, and hence, what we have said in 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 our investor entrepreneur ways, that this startup is not bad. This entrepreneur is not good. So what we do is we we have in our we I say the exact same thing which you just mentioned. I say I am an investor. So when suppose a guy comes to me with a problem, I say, hey, you are the entrepreneur. You need to figure it out. You tell me the answer how it can be done. And if he's not able to do it, 
then we are convinced that the market is big, the startup potential is big. The guy is not right. So then we bring a new guy, and we say, okay, you you give it a try. That's very fascinating. Do you believe you're replaceable at No Broker? Uh, everybody is replaceable, but if I change the question to that, if I get replaced, will there be some negative impact on No Broker today? Perhaps yes. uh because despite having so many entrepreneurs in our setup them doing great still i think this 8 years of combined knowledge of how customers think and how the allocation should be done and to some extent how to identify good people still resides with me but i am really hoping that in the next time when we meet i should be able to say that yes i am fully replaceable my next question was do you believe in the founder mentality but you've already answered that by saying you do try to inculcate an owners mentality which in many ways is similar so i think this is the single most biggest reason of our success after after the no brokerage concept the reason why we have been able to do so many small small businesses uh, is only because we have got this entrepreneur culture in which we give a series seed funding then series a funding and then so for example we never change the designation of the business guy we say you are a vertical head he is called a vertical head he always remains a vertical head because we say that if you want to get promoted make your vertical larger the moment your vertical becomes larger your importance in no broker becomes larger and you have self promoted yourself it looks like you have a very distinct entrepreneurial risk taking culture let me ask you what kind of i mean in the 80s that i'm sure you by now figure out what kind of people do not fit in even though they're smart well educated etc what is that which is the kind of people who typically don't <clears throat> fit into no broker so there are two type of people one is people who come for good salary for startup glamour but they want a lot of directions so they have come here saying that hey yes i am the owner they have been able to are these middle management senior management so junior at at i am talking about senior management only that at senior level people many times people come and because this is the last 3 4 5 years when there was this wave of um senior talent that came into indian well funded startups because a their stock salaries etc which yeah. a lot of which is reversing right <laughs> exactly so these people come they enjoy the initial uh, uh, aha moment and then they realize that they need direction they can't think or they don't enjoy the process of thinking and experimenting and so on which which we figure out within few months and then we part ways second is a very unique set of people which i never imagined before would come i would put them in as extremely intelligent people <laughs> who are so intelligent that when you interview them or when you talk to them they can come up with very articulate 10 reasons why this will not work <laughs> i get it it's at the intersection of intellectual and cynical yes so you are absolutely right most of these people are extremely cynical and skeptical and so i remember interviewing a guy and he told me in extreme detail why the business for which i am hiring him will not work and i looked at him it and said it makes no that, sense because <laughs> you got to believe i mean the job of an entrepreneur or even a leader in a startup is to believe against all odds so i told him in the interview that you are absolutely right <laughs> if you think it cannot work it cannot work under you <laughs> absolutely and you can never convince such a person to yeah. make it work because if they don't believe it yeah. this is fascinating many organizations have this awe cultural law internal law of 
founders does that exist in no brokers that you three other founders <coughs> what do the founders think what are the founders doing etc so i actively i would like to say that the culture is not there but that is not completely true so i we basically through some small things we tried to make sure that the culture of awe is not there uh, by for example and i would say culture of buttering the founders is not there so so even if somebody comes and tells to me that hey this is a great shirt i don't give a very positive reaction to that thereby communicating that hey this this approach is not required i I'll, i'll say it is a great <laughs> shirt <laughs> so so in small small ways uh, what basically we say is for example never allow anybody to say sir and so on and so forth in small small ways we try to make sure actively make sure that everybody feels equal because once they are in awe of you they will never contradict you that is a bigger problem i'm okay when they are awe of us which is undeserved by us but the problem is secondary which is that they will not counter you even if they are not convinced they will not voice their opinion which will anyway impact which the business which is the death later. knell of yeah i mean possibly their career because what that means is that over a period of time those employees will believe less and less in their own skills and like you know they'll become disconnected and then and of course for the business also yeah. it's bad so many a times i basically go to such a person and say that i am very unhappy with you and they are surprised and i say i am very unhappy with you because you don't speak your mind you are always nodding yes and this doesn't work how can you always nod yes i mean uh one of the things that i've been reading a lot about is how younger especially the uh, the gen z employees are 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 averse to conflict they would rather not have uncomfortable conversations and and to give an example i think i was watching a recent video from simon sinek where he says that a young gen z employee went up to a manager and said i'm quitting and the manager was what happened you never came to me and said anything i didn't know that there was something wrong and what simon sinek says is that that's because the younger generation is they don't like conflict they yeah. would rather not talk about Correct. it that then have that yeah. tough conversation so therefore i mean to go back to your yeah. point about why you not saying anything to me yeah. is i think uh i i think it's something to do with the younger generation no. as well which avoids conflict no you're absolutely right in fact it works in two ways the younger generation doesn't like conflict also because the jobs are in are, are basically are huge and they can shift quickly and the so called older generation doesn't do it because they have been taught to always respect authority so there is that's, a problem in both that's ends. right so uh, <laughs> fascinating in a way it's yeah it's the problem exists on both sides yeah. that's very interesting what are the three four buckets that consume 80% of your typical week uh, the first one is the review so every day first half of the day we have some review of some uh, mini function second is just free time which is basically just serendipity me talking to whomever i can see on the floor whichever idea comes into my mind or if they think about a good idea and then we brainstorm do you make time for this or does it just happen so what i have consciously done is that i never block more than 50 percentage of my time so now when we are meeting it is second half of the day because second half of the day is almost always free so i always keep the second half of the day free for these discussions uh, that you just call two people and then you think of an idea and you three basically brainstorm so second half of the day is purposefully unstructured <laughs> uh and the third 
थिंग विच टेक्स टाइम इज बेसिकली गोइंग टू द कस्टमर मीटिंग कस्टमर्स एंड टॉकिंग टू एच आर फाइनेंस ट्रेनिंग एंड क्वालिटी विच बेसिकली ऑफन इफ दे डोंट गेट राइट इनफ टाइम देन देर आर सीवियर इम्प्लीकेशन लेटर are there things that you must do as ceo which you really don't want to do uh i think now there aren't the only thing is raising funds and talking to 20 investors <laughs> that is always very very <laughs> i would say gets boring after a point of time but yes you have to do that right what are some of the stock responses people may hear from you if they come to you with a problem that actually they should be solving but they've come to you i mean like what might you say commonly my most common response is you are the entrepreneur you tell me what needs to be done which is also good because in some senses you're repeating the same message consistently to many people so so that after a while i'm yeah. assuming the organization gets the idea of the entrepreneur mindset correct what are the two or three most critical meetings for you in a week uh um, let's keep it at two maybe so one is the town hall that we that i do every monday uh in which the anonymous questions are also a part as we are discussing uh in that meeting there is a section which has anonymous questions so anybody basically can put any question without his name and i would see that question live so people can populate it live also and they can ask any insulting question and they can ask any blunt question is there any yeah, so they can blunt questions so that they can ask whether whether you are running out of funds or they can ask as to why a colleague was fired recently and then you have to answer that question you are stuck whether you should disrespect the ex colleague by telling the real reason or but you can't also hide telling the real reason because then it is unfair to the persons who are there and that gets tricky and then the, so the accountability increases multifold once you make it a open ended anonymous question because anybody can ask it but i have discovered over months and years that it is always good how long does your all hands last so anywhere from half an hour to 3 hours depending upon what the topics are and we cover multiple topics so that is the uh, what's one, the format of your all hands if i may ask so the format is that we basically start by discussing what is happening in the week what is happening in overall different functions technology marketing which even they might not be aware about which functions have done really good which numbers are are basically booming what is the focus area if any investor board meeting has happened then talking about the main things which investors are telling us uh then it goes uh, towards anything which people want or which hr or finance or quality team or training team needs to communicate or ask for uh, and then it is about these open ended questions and any other thing which i want to communicate because i feel we are lagging there that i do who makes the agenda for the all hands so a broad agenda is there which is a fixed agenda broadly but otherwise there is no agenda so it is free flowing <laughs> all right what are the top 3 failures that no broker might have made it could either be missteps or missed opportunities over the years over the 8 years so i think the two three failures is one i would say experimentation which got 
which failed was that we tried with the co-living experiment and we basically took the houses and we which are shared accommodation of bachelors and then we discovered that it is extremely it's a hospitality business because the bachelor keep on leaving the houses so their attrition is extremely high and unless you have a minimum set of bachelors living in a house the owner doesn't make money and then you need to buy the furniture so it is extremely logistics driven so when we did the calculation later we figured out there is no way you can ever make money so it is not about one year or five year you can never be profitable that's what we figured we we felt so we basically closed that so more of a experimentation getting closed the second that was one of the businesses which you refused to fund for yes yes you are absolutely right i think that that was the only business that we refused to fund further second more in terms of mistake which i could correct if i go back was that initially because we were very frugal we had this feeling that unless a hr or a finance guy has a full time work we shouldn't hire a hr or a finance guy because we felt that hey, there should be a full person's work but that is wrong even if it is one third of the work you hire the hr person you hire the finance person because he is a professional he will think only from that point of view which you might miss so there are hr needs and finance technical uh, specialties which those people bring experts bring which you will not give your attention to because you are trying to douse other fire so that is one mistake which you made which thankfully we quickly corrected and now we have amazing hr head and amazing finance head how do you know sometimes you you'll come across you'll have a customer discussion and an employee discussion and and something will just strike out which is an impulsive decision right how do you know when to kind of deliberate over it or when it's like no this needs to be done as of yesterday does that happen with you yeah so this uh, surely happens a lot and i think it is like i think our minds our mind does a weighted average calculation instantly based on the past experiences so based on past whatever has worked helps you give weightages in your mind as to whether uh, this decision in terms of probability will work or not and then you know the upside which is there and you also know the downside so i think it's a mixture of that you know that the downside is limited of taking this initiative your past says this will work fantastically well so we quickly take a decision and second is also this feature whether the decision is a one way door or a two way door which what does that mean so a one way door basically means it's a non reversible decision so once you take the decision you just go ahead with it and the cost of coming back is very high fair enough And example two, being for instance you decide tomorrow to just do away with all subscription plans yeah. and make the entire site free correct once you do that there's no coming back there's no that. coming back and or the coming back cost is extremely high the two way door is you start with something you can take it back and customers won't be super angry or the cost will not be super high so that is also important factor to decide whether i should take a impulsive decision or wait and this is has is also because of size of the company when the company is smaller everything seemed like a one way <laughs> door but now not everything seems like a one way door what metrics do you obsess over uh number one is customer nps whether customers are happy or not because sooner or later that catches up up and second is the revenue so revenue is basically our apart from customer service revenue is our north pole and keep on chasing more and more revenue what phrases are you known for inside the organization so two three phases one is always be a owner which basically means always have an entrepreneurial attitude second is honesty first nicety later 
because i have seen many people being nice in cross functional meetings and not speaking their mind out of respect and third is that when you are leader you are like that glittering goldfish in an aquarium which everybody is looking at you are not not looking at everybody but everybody is looking at you so as a leader be extremely cautious with what signal you send what you say through your body language never be flippant if you want to give a message give a message but never underestimate the fact that 30 people are looking at you and their observation power is much much more than your observation power is there a phrase or a line that your team dreads hearing from you like when you are like completely lost your temper and like you know that's what typically they'll hear so i think the line which they don't like to hear from me is why can't we do double of this <laughs> that's because they i mean implication being that they are not being ambitious enough yeah so many a times people will come to me and if you are entrepreneur you will basically think of maximum that you can do and generally people come up with something which is anyway a goal which is a stretch but i just always ask them so why not not double of this just to see whether the thought process of why we can't do double is there or whether the discussion is more of a boss employee discussion ki sir thoda target kam de do to utna kar lenge so that reveals it very quickly the thought process behind as it as a ceo then you can also figure out if it's because of lack of resources then you can possibly give them more resources exactly. to aim for a more ambitious outcome exactly. what are the three most common adjectives your colleagues or teammates may use to describe you single word adjectives i think extrovert uh optimism and ambitious/aggressive right what does a productive day at work look like if at the end of the day you come back home and you're really thrilled wow that was a happy day so if a customer has given a good word if i met a customer and customer has said good things that gives a huge satisfaction uh if i have seen a a colleague really putting up a fight for something without knowing that anybody is watching him uh, that gives a a different thrill do you find it easy to change your mind about beliefs strong beliefs that you hold and if so how so in fact i think that uh i do it now so often that i need to course correct Uh, so i'm always on the lookout of new piece of information and data so that i always keep my mind fluid about what the decision is because in this business and like every other business customers change their priorities change and you need to be extremely nimble competition is tough across the categories that we do they are amazing entrepreneurs anyway and we have seen that the reason why we are thriving is exactly because our predecessors felt that non brokerage would not work so while we started while we got funding while we created an office while we were getting customer every month every year they could see that data but still they decided in their mind that no non brokerage is not a thing to go similarly i am paranoid that if, have i decided something which is too strong so hence if the same thing would happen with us if we are too inflexible so what you're really saying is that no broker owes his existence to the fact that others refuse to change their mind yeah and therefore you never want to be in that position exactly so for example i remember that when we started people were coming on facebook group whatsapp groups quicker saying that hey can i see that property without a broker so 
the signals were all around is there something that you've changed your mind about recently something significant recently meaning you know this year last year last week whatever no i don't think something which comes to my mind that we change all right what would be your advice to others potential engineer mba founders who are still in their 20s i would say that take it with a big pinch of salt all the glamour which is around entrepreneurship i've seen many people jump into entrepreneurship without doing basic financial planning you should have funds for one year which means you should be able to pay your education loan emi you should be able to pay your living expenses and you one should year? be one year at least uh, i'm assuming two years is the is, is yeah. what i would recommend uh, but anywhere between one to two year of living expenses plus marketing expenses i see many people just jumping and then trying to raise funds and then getting very very demotivated that's unnecessary pressure on you there is no problem in working with other company and there's a saying which basically says that how can you be a great leader unless you have been a great follower first if you haven't followed anybody then how can you be a great leader how can others follow you so that's also a philosophy so it is perfectly okay to build some other company learn from it be an employee and be in that shoes that when you don't get reimbursement for this cab travel <laughs> then how do you feel <laughs> or if you have to bring your own lunch and come doesn't provide you lunch how does it feel it's perfectly okay between those shoes so that you can empathize better later uh, or if your boss smiles at you in the morning it feels nice <laughs> so <laughs> yeah do unto others as they would unto you <laughs> yeah what's the best time to give you feedback i think the best time is when i am not extremely excited about something when i'm in a normal state apart from that i think 90% of the time i would love to give a feedback the sooner it is the better it is so if i have said something which is unfair or which is harsh or which is if i have not said it to you but said to someone else also and you feel that this policy or this approach is unfair the faster you tell the 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 faster i can course correct tell us about your kids and their view of the world so my my elder kid who is now 15 years old he has seen the no broker journey all throughout so he appreciates much more what no broker has achieved because he has seen us being in a very small hsr layout office and so he respects it much much more uh and of course both of them are proud of uh, of me for the younger one it is a normal scenario <laughs> i think he feels everybody's daddy is an entrepreneur and of course you will have an office and your daddy will go to that office so the second one has a very weird sense of <laughs> how the world should be you mentioned office it's interesting that you have a secret office <laughs> you you have you know there is There, there is no there. You you do have an office in Bangalore, but no one knows where it is, and there is no signboard on it, etc. Why is that so? So, a uh, few years back, we were attacked by a bunch of brokers. So we were just sitting in our HSR layout office, and basically, lots of people just stood outside the office, and we thought it's some political procession, but they're actually a group of brokers, and more like goons rather than brokers. They wanted to break stuff. They wanted to beat our employees. and many of the female employees started crying uh and they started beating some of our employees at the gate so huge commotion started we came out 
एंड वी हैड अ बिग आयरन ग्रिल डोर थैंकफुली वी क्लोज दैट आयरन ग्रिल डोर सो दैट दे कूडेंट एंटर अदरवाइज विद हंड्रेड एम्प्लॉयज इट वुड हैव बीन रियली डिफिकल्ट टू कंट्रोल एंड मैनेज द सिचुएशन वी कॉल्ड पुलिस एंड लेटर दोज ब्रोकर और गूंस बेसिकली फॉलोड आर फीमेल एम्प्लॉयज टूवर्ड्स देयर होम डैमेज मैनी ऑफ द मोटर बाइक्स विच आर पार्कड आउट साइड सो इट बिकेम इम्पॉसिबल टू कंटिन्यू बिजनेस देयर सो इन अ नाइट वी बेसिकली फ्लैड एंड इवन वैन द कंप्यूटर्स वर बींग वर बींग टेकन अवे इन अ एल सी वी मैनी ऑफ द ब्रोकर इन द नाइट फॉलोड दैट वहीकल टू नो वेयर वी आर गोइंग नेक्स्ट सो दैन वी शिफ्ट टू टू टेम्प्रेरी ऑफिस विच इज़ वेरी अनहर्ड इन बैंगलोर the only company that i've heard do secret offices is crypto companies yeah <laughs> <laughs> correct <laughs> because of regulations and then we shifted to two temporary office uh, and so on so forth so from that day to today even today we we have multiple office addresses on google maps and so on so forth so you don't know which one is the real one and we have never put a facade outside our office so if you come to our office today there is no facade which says no broker so we remain to be cautious I hope things change because that sounds like you know it's not something it's it's sad it's like you know your employees your company deserves better your customers deserve better has parenting taught you something about yourself I think parenting has taught has taught parenting and entrepreneurship has taught me that in some ways entrepreneurship is easier than parenting because being a founder at least people listen to you <laughs> and that thing doesn't happen the authority flows from the founder <laughs> but not as a parent not as a parent as so many a times i feel ki yaar kisi aur ko bola hota to ye ho jata <laughs> ye to nahi karega uh, but of course the uh, uh, having a kid and seeing him grow has a different uh, uh, aha has a different excitement which comes with it and of course you you it teaches you a patience a lot so while basically in entrepreneurship it is all about being impatient you basically try to do more and more and always want more and you are asking why time why it is two months why it is not one month and so on parenting is about patience because uh, because kids will basically do it at their own pace and at their own wish so i think both are very uh, different from that perspective How do you rate your own performance as a CEO and as a parent on a scale of one to ten? I think as a parent, I would rate myself as seven-ish because I would have wanted to give in to give more time to my kids than what I could. And as a CEO, I will also give myself as seven because we could have done more, we could have grown more, etc. Are there things that you do that others find funny or quirky? I think I have a very self-depreciating humor, <laughs> which many people, when they meet me for the first time, finds it really odd. Yeah. So they don't know whether you're being serious or whether <laughs> yes. you're okay, yes. being funny. All right. If you were locked in a room for twenty-four hours with no internet, what would you do? Uh, playing badminton, something which I have anyway said no. So books is something which I would love to uh, do in those twenty-four hours. books is some reading books is something which gives me lot of happiness and calm so my if you if i have to tell me what i enjoy doing most in my free time in my me time it's reading books physical books or kindle etc physical books nothing can beat physical books what mm-hmm. i like reading is across the uh, genres so i like reading about history 
uh, about right from Mughals to to today. Uh, so, for example, reading books like Sapiens, I love them. I like reading about uh, businesses, so be it Amazon. So it's mostly non-fiction. Non. So mostly non-fiction. When do you read? So typically, my reading time is post nine nine thirty p.m. when kids basically asleep, and when there is still half an hour, one hour before I need to go to sleep. And I love autobiographies because I feel that in autobiographies and biographies, if suppose I meet, for example, right now I am meeting you and we are talking, but it is going to be extremely difficult for me to find out the the tough things which Rohan Rohan has done, which he has faced, the learnings that he has. in the next 4 hours 8 hours also but if you write a book about yourself or if somebody writes a book about your journey the ken's journey then it basically feels as if you are getting all the pearls of somebody's else's experience from his own mouth or from someone close's mouth in such a intimate detail which i could never get otherwise so for example i was recently reading uh, 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 vishnathan's book a chess uh, champion and i was astounded with which details with which he told what he felt before a championship what went through his mind in that championship and i am like if i meet him also what five days one week he will never tell me in that detail i was about to ask you what's personal slash me time for you but you already answered that it's books six out of 10 times when you're eating out is there a favorite dish that you end up ordering butter chicken doing what makes you lose all sense of time books books well uh, uh, some of these questions are now starting to seem repetitive how do you spend your weekends so weekends are a mixture of multiple things uh one is playing badminton with with my friends second is some social engagements be it with relatives be it somebody office colleagues birthday or uh, and so on and third is is of course reading books and the thing which is constant across the weekend is of course your mails and your <laughs> office phone which morning of the week do you look forward to the most so in the week weekends are great for relaxing but by the time it is sunday evening i start getting bored and i find myself pinging somebody or disturbing somebody so monday is is a relief that okay finally now whatever ideas came to my mind on a sunday evening or whatever i jotted down finally now it's the time to talk This, this reminds me of the phrase called Monday, which Kabir, of the CEO and founder of uh, Dunzo, has. Like, so he activates on Sunday evening. <laughs> so his colleague says, "Cus Monday start over." <laughs> It sounds like that. Yeah. Right. Do you have a nickname that represents who you are? And if you do not, what would you like to be known as? So I don't have a nickname, but I think if not a nickname, what yeah. what would you like to be known as, the X? So very difficult to put in a word. I think in one word, what describes my personality is optimism in general. The optimist. The optimist. <laughs> optimism that equity market will do well, real estate market will do well, India will do well, we will do well. So general optimist <laughs> in nature. Thank you, Amit. It's been great speak to you. and thank you for your candor thank you so much rohan you are an amazing entrepreneur i have seen your journey over the past few years whatever you have built was something which just like no broker was not imaginable before and the way in which people doubted whether we will work 
there were enough doubters whether can would work and it's a honor to be interviewed by such a great entrepreneur like you thank you so Here's much yes to more foolish entrepreneurs <laughs> yes hi there this is rohin again and the can we love feedback so if you have feedback suggestions or tips for us write to us on podcasts at the can.com and oh don't forget to listen and subscribe to our brand new thrice a week show daybreak at under 15 minutes it's the perfect morning coffee for your brain <laughs>